The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising and marketing and journalism. And we do that by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we learn from Gianna Prudenti. Gianna is an associate news editor at LinkedIn News. As a journalist working in tech, she shares the news shaping today's workforce and highlights the conversations happening around it. As an associate news editor for jobs and career development at LinkedIn, she helps young professionals like you navigate the changing world of work. In Jenna's weekly newsletter, Keeping the Balance, she amplifies Gen Z voices, highlighting their unique career paths. She also speaks to experts for insight on launching and growing Gen Z careers. Amazing. Gianna tells us how she broke into journalism at a tech company and highlights some of the many insights she has learned about Gen Z and advice on how we can break in and thrive into our dream careers. Gianna is a fantastic connection and provides so much value in her weekly newsletter. We've included all the necessary links to connect with her and her newsletter in our bio. And hey, while you're on LinkedIn, why don't you go ahead and give Breaking and Entering a follow for the heck of it. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Shelliver. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Gianna Prudenti, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. So this is an advertising, marketing, and journalism podcast. It's called Breaking and Entering Advertising, but that's okay. We are here to talk about you, what you do, because you're an associate news editor at LinkedIn. Yeah. Can't wait to talk. You make it sound so exciting, and it is, so I'm excited to talk about that more. Yeah, and I think we were just talking offline, and you were saying like a lot of people switch jobs when they're just starting out, but you seem pretty happy at LinkedIn, and you you said you can see yourself there long-term. Is that true, or did I expose you? You did expose me, but it is true. Um, I really love my job. I love the company and the people we work with and uh, the mission that we're working towards every day, so... I'm very content in my role and I see a lot of room for growth and I'm very happy. But as I was mentioning, it's kind of been weird. A lot of my friends have already changed jobs post-grad. Mm-hmm. Um, it just hasn't been the experience for me, but I think it's very common among Gen Z, right? We we stay in jobs for a few years and then look for the next opportunity. Absolutely. And I want to know, I want to, why do you think that while we're on that, like, why this Gen Z, is this, is this, do millennials do this or are there other generations? I know my parents stuck for the same job for 30 years, never thought about switching. What makes Gen Z different? Yeah, I think, I don't know about millennials and older generations, but I think, you know, that was the sentiment for a while. If you join a great company, you stay there till the end of time, if you want to do that. And even at LinkedIn, there's a lot of people who've been here for like 10 years and they've grown and they've been able to go across the company and change teams, which is amazing. But I think with Gen Z, there's just so many options up there, out there that there's no reason to stay, you know, complacent in a job if it's not fulfilling or there's a new opportunity. And I think also we're very multidimensional. So we want to do one thing maybe for a certain period of time and then our passions change or interests change and a new opportunity comes up that we want to explore in a different industry or role. We see a lot of Gen Z entrepreneurs, so a lot of pivoting happening. But I think it's a good thing because 
you know, that's where a lot of growth happens when you do push yourself outside of your comfort zone and, and, and do change jobs like that. And if I'm a employer listening to this right now, I'd be curious, like, how do we keep Gen Z to stay in our specific roles? <laughs> I think that's like, that would be my number one priority if I was a boss or I was running my own company. Do you yeah. see like best practices, like obviously at LinkedIn that you notice or other companies doing interesting things? Yeah, I think employee retention is really interesting when it comes to Gen Z because the whole narrative of us being job hoppers, I think, scares a lot of people. But when you're really willing to invest in the time of your employees and give them resources, like we know Gen Z really loves upskilling. So if you prioritize upskilling your employees and you give them opportunities to level up their own careers, I think, you know, matching them with mentors, there's so many different training opportunities that can be done to really keep them plugged into the company and and make them feel a part of it and um, help them grow so they don't have to look elsewhere for those opportunities. Gotcha. And I think the listeners are like, wow, we're, we're already probably getting pretty deep into this. And this is because this is what you talk about, right? Like yeah. at, as a news editor at LinkedIn, like I want to know more about that role specifically. Mm -hmm. Like what do you do? What do you write about? And yeah, just tell me about that role specifically. Definitely. So on my, the editorial side of LinkedIn, LinkedIn News, I'm on our jobs and career development team. So I'm focused on job search and career content. And within that, I focus on Gen, Gen Z professionals, which has been a fun experience because I'm Gen Z myself. So getting yeah. to report on my own generation or speak to you know my peers has been a really fun experience. Um, so I have a weekly newsletter, Keeping the Balance, where I explore all things about Gen Z. So I'm interviewing really cool people who are doing things you know, very unique with their careers to highlight those career paths. And also speaking to experts who can give us insight to help us, you know, as we launch and grow our careers. So it's been really fun. I think the best part of being on this Gen Z B is really leaning into my own experience, especially this whole post-grad transition. It's a very interesting time. So really leaning yeah. into kind of my own experience um, and let that lead the reporting. So, you know, I've done something about feeling isolated in a remote setting. And that really just came from my own experience. I spoke to an expert about it. Like, how do we combat? remote work, loneliness, and it resonated with a lot of Gen Z. So it's it's definitely, you know, going off my own experience, bringing myself into the reporting and getting to meet some amazing people who have already grown their careers so much in just a short amount of time. Interesting. Who's like the main target audience then of your newsletter? Gen Z. So I'm writing for Gen Z. So all the insights, it's, you know, um, it, it's for people who are early in their careers. And I think also... With in speaking with other Gen Zers, I get to highlight their unique career path. So even if you aren't going to go from this role to that role like they did, there's still so many learnings and takeaways that you can apply to your own career. And like when I hear advice, I love to hear it from my peers. I don't want to turn to somebody who is, you know, sometimes maybe more removed from the situation. And I think that's a, whole, a huge sentiment yeah. about Gen Z. A lot of people are talking about us rather than to us. Um, so that's definitely something I really try to keep in mind. Yeah, I noticed like even with this podcast, the, some of the most listened to episodes are those that are two to three years out. They can really see themselves there. They might be, they went to school. Some of these people uh, definitely gets a lot of like the highest listen rate is from people close. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But um, could anybody else like maybe not Gen Z get value from these newsletters, like seeing how you guys operate, how we operate? Um, taking learnings. I know there's a professor that specializes in Gen Z at mm -hmm. Rutgers. Um, so do you see other people listening or reading into your blog? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of hunger for insights on Gen Z from, you know, managers or just mid to senior level professionals. So I think you get to just learn about Gen Z and the way that we behave. And I feel like as soon as we entered the workforce, there were so many news articles, you know, what does Gen Z want out of work? And and that was just the hottest topic because we're the youngest generation of workers. We're going to be a large part of the workforce in a few years. So really understanding our needs and our values from day one is what's important. So being able to hear that from Gen Zers themselves, there's no one better. Um, so it's definitely valuable. And I think as soon as I launched my newsletter, I really realized that there was that appetite for Gen Z insights on LinkedIn and, and elsewhere. Um, because people just want to get a better pulse on on what we want out of work since these are, you know, future leaders in the workforce. And I want to definitely dive into some of those insights and what you what you're what you're learning from the newsletter. But I also want to know what does the LinkedIn team look like that you work on? Nobody else mm-hmm. is covering Gen Z, I'm I'm assuming. Um, so how does that structure work at LinkedIn? Yeah, so we're a team of global editors, but be, uh, our U.S. team, um, it, it's we have different you know segments. So we have a daily news team that works on breaking news, and they're doing the days you know daily news as it says. So they're you know publishing storylines every day about the top business news stories. Um, the team that I sit on, it's changed a bit, but we're all beat reporters. So. Somebody's covering finance, someone's covering sustainability, healthcare, frontline workers, um, tech. And within that is this kind of jobs and career development beat that a few of us sit on. And that's where I fall into kind of the ladder of things. So um, a lot of people on my team come from very traditional reporting backgrounds, and we get to do original reporting through our newsletters on LinkedIn. Gotcha. So what are the other beats within the... or? other beats within the career uh, reporting sector? Yeah, so I'm focused on Gen Z professionals and kind of the younger generation, um, which includes students, which is a fun topic right now. But my one colleague, Leah, she covers human potential. So it's a lot about how to be your best self and always improving yourself and your well-being and putting that first. And then our manager, Andrew, kind of oversees jobs and career development as a whole. So he's very much just taking the broad view um, on this beat. Yeah. Why did you say the students was interesting right now? It's a growing focus for sure. I think um, we want to make sure that LinkedIn's a place for students where they feel comfortable coming. So right now I'm trying to highlight a lot of Gen Z students in, in my newsletter and making sure they feel comfortable you know, posting on the platform and wanting to be a part of the community that we've built. So it's interesting now that might be encompasses students, but I know, you know, in a few years times, Gen Z won't be students anymore. So it's really interesting to see how that's going to evolve at some point as well. Yeah. So you think your newsletter is just, is just going to take on that career path of Gen Z and getting into management and just grow from there? I guess so, which is kind of cool if it does take that route. You know, I'm kind of open to exploring anything, but I think if it does, if my beat grows as the generation grows and I'm growing with it, that that could be a really cool thing and, and see how, you know, we've changed over time. I'm, I think I might be one of the first people who's covered a generation uh, on the team. So it's it's interesting to see what shape this is going to take. What's the one after Gen Z? Is that Gen A? I have no idea. It might be. Oh gosh. No, no. Oh, you're all. You're. That just shows you're. You're focused. You're ready to go. Oh, you know. These are focused on Gen Z. I, 
no what's something, what's something <laughs> surprising about this generation i guess that people might not know i mean i think we're so open about everything so i think everybody knows everything about us but i think the gen z side hustle culture is really interesting and we see that a lot of uh recent grads and other career starters don't want to kind of put their eggs in one basket and really trust in just an employer for their income. And I think we Ooh. see that now in the uncertain economy, it's just, you know, you yeah. want something to fall back on. And we're a generation that has grown up with a lot of mistrust. So it totally makes sense. So a lot of Gen Zers have side hustles um, that they spend a lot of time diverting to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and even in breaking into advertising and marketing, we hear so often that your work matters, like show this in your portfolio. I'm not sure how journalism works, but mm -hmm. um, like we were told our portfolio matters. Show us that you can do campaigns, that you have the spec work and you have the experience. And then on top of that, they want to see that you're interesting and you're interested in things. So you have to have a side project, yeah. uh, some sort of Instagram or business. It's just like mm -hmm. kind of mandatory if you want to be a creative in advertising. Do you yeah. see that in journalism as well? Absolutely. And I think also when the pandemic happened and I graduated in 2021, so so many internship programs were getting canceled during that time. And I think everybody was freaking out. Like it, the summer after junior year, I'm supposed to be having the internship that lands me the job. And so a lot of the advice we received back then was yep. whatever you want to do, start doing it on your own. So if you're a reporter, start a blog and start putting your article somewhere. Go to LinkedIn and publish your you know, articles and do that so you can build a body of work that you then present. Because when we apply to jobs, we send our portfolio link. So we need that as well. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of happened at that moment for a lot of people where they were like, if I don't have an opportunity elsewhere, how do I create that for myself? And it's just kind of exactly. taken off from there. And I think it might've stuck too. So it, the betting, like, mm -hmm. I, I guess I think that mindset is still here. Um, so 100%. tell us then, so you about your background then. So student, you went to Syracuse, I believe. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is a great journalism program. Some of the best journalists I know. Uh, yeah, and this, it was fun. I mean, do, do you guys just produce journalists? Like, what's what's going on over there? Like, Yeah, we have a really great communication school at, um, at Syracuse. And it was a very unique experience. I think now when I reflect back, and I speak to other people who went to different um, J schools, or maybe they went to grad school for journalism. So it's a little bit of a different experience. But it was very immersive. Like from day one, we were off campus reporting and getting equipment and going off and shooting videos. And it was very intense. <laughs> and it was tough when you're when you're transitioning to college as a freshman to be doing that as well. But it really got us career ready. And I think, you know, um, we were able to graduate with a great body of work that was just from our classes alone it was pretty amazing. So when did you when did you say to yourself i want to be a journalist so i think i probably wanted to be like a doctor a teacher who knows when i was growing up but i always loved writing and the only thing i didn't love about writing was like the creative aspect of it so i didn't i didn't feel like i had that creativity in me but i knew i loved to write i was always stronger in like the humanities and math and science um so sophomore year of high school i took my first journalism course and my teacher was a huge influence on me, but I also just fell in love with how objective journalism is and the idea that you can amplify somebody else's story. And it's just fact, like you can't dispute the facts and you get to amplify these voices and tell somebody else's story, you know, through their 
their lens, which I thought was incredible. So I started getting involved in our high school paper and eventually senior year was our editor-in-chief. Really had a lot of mentorship for my teacher at the time, which um, I'm very grateful to her. And so I was very fortunate to know I wanted to do journalism, that I could target top schools. Um, but my family wanted me to do, you know, some business. So I did apply to some schools to be like a finance major. Um, everyone in my family is an accountant pretty much. So they were like, why journalism? Um, but ultimately uh, applied early decision to Newhouse at Syracuse, got in and the rest is history. And the, your parents were okay with it eventually. Yeah, it was like, we have no connections to help you. I think that's like the concern for any parent, especially, you know, when they're investing in you to get a college education. And it totally makes sense. Yeah. But I kind of had the mentality of, I always like, no, I can figure it out. So it's like, yeah. I don't really need your connections. Oh, um, nice. Um, oh, honest, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just like, I feel so passionate about that. And accounting <laughs> or finance was not exactly what I wanted to do. But I will say that when I was at Syracuse, I really wanted my minor to kind of shape the, the beat that I would go into after work, uh, after school. So I did pick up a finance minor, which did make them happy. But I knew I wanted to do business journalism. So I kind of used that to mold my my experience and and get some of that to lean back on and hopefully differentiate myself when I was applying to jobs. Interesting. So you you had the finance minor. So is this that's probably pretty relevant then. Do most journalism majors have that their minor reflects the beat that they want to pursue? That's something the approach I took. And I know some of my friends um, did the same. But I think, you know, there's so many options when you're in school. There's so much to explore. And I think I probably changed my minor or I was going to do political science and then policy studies and then this and that. And then I was like, okay, finance, because business reporting sounds cool. So there's a lot of room to explore. And then I, I don't know. I think that really helps me because even within my classes, I was able to pick a beat each semester that I wanted to report on. So like I reported on Syracuse uh, small businesses during my junior year. Um, and what was your favorite small business? You report there's on. a ton Syracuse is thriving with salt uh small businesses and a lot of my focus was on black owned businesses and minority owned businesses which was amazing and especially during the time of a pandemic you know mm-hmm. to be on that that beat was um really cool but the whole city is incredibly vibrant and it's very entrepreneurial so I loved being on that beat and there's even a ton of small businesses that come onto campus which is nice um so very much a part of the community in Syracuse. But yeah, I really wanted my minor to kind of influence that. I don't know how much of the finance actually really helped. Oh, I was going to yeah. ask you next. Um, so what was your intention then? Like what, at the time, what publications did you think you would want, you would want to work for? Yeah, I think probably sophomore to junior year, I was targeting like Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal. I mean... It's really tough being a journalism major. I think at Syracuse, we had two options. It was broadcast and digital journalism at the time or newspaper and online. I never wanted to be in front of a camera. So I'm like, I'm doing newspaper plus I love to write. But I think a lot of times when you go a journalism route, there's like this idea that you're going to go to some local station and some random state after this and you're going to have to report on local journals, like local news. And that's a lot of times a path somebody takes and it works out. But 
I didn't really want that. Like I wanted to work for a bigger company and obviously that's incredibly competitive. So I was applying to, you know, Business Insider, CNBC, all of that. And those were kind of my targets, networking with people at those companies. Um, and I applied to a bunch of them junior year, but of course a lot was canceled over the pandemic. So, so what what is the traditional networking route? Like connect on LinkedIn or do you send like your 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 reel or your portfolio? To these people yeah. like what's the game plan yeah i definitely use linkedin um to network so a lot of it was any time i applied to a company or i was interested in a company i would go on linkedin look up the company filter the people who work there by my college and reach out to those people and that was like the easiest connection to say i went to new house and i think what was also a little bit of a challenge is a lot of people say and I think at a lot of schools, there's an alumni network, but I think that really kicks in when you graduate. Mm -hmm. So during the time when you're looking for internships, people can help you, of course, but really it was just looking for knowledge. And I really wanted to understand more about business reporting because I had no idea like what that actually looked like in action. So I just kind of consumed a bunch of news. I talked to a bunch of people and was like, is this actually something that I want to do if I can't get that experience, um, you know, firsthand? Right. I always, I mean, that's pretty similar. I mean, LinkedIn's the best tool for that. That mean, <laughs> it is incredible. Um, I, I mean, I tell all the listeners that you just connect with people and ask for 15 minutes on to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. And that usually works if they're, if they're free. If they don't respond, they're usually just busy. Yeah, a hundred percent. And even now when I have people reach out to me, I'm like jumping at the opportunity to speak to them because I know that I was in that position not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've already gained so much insight since, you know, launching my own career that I would love to share with with people who are, you know, following a similar path. Yep, of course. So you you did the networking route to, but the, but your, the internship season kind of ended because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what happened after that? How did you end up where you're at today? Yeah, so... Long story, how do I make this short? Um, I was, so junior in Syracuse, I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy, having um, the best time, living with the host family, loving my experience. And I saw that at our career service center, there was an opportunity for a LinkedIn fellowship over the summer. And I didn't know nice. LinkedIn had an editorial side at that time. But I was like, I'm going to apply, I'm going to intend to apply to this because it's business. Like this is, you know, something I could really be interested in. Um, so I, I said that I was intending to apply to it and I was waiting for the application to come out. It did get sent home from abroad because of the pandemic. So the program got cut early and I missed the application for LinkedIn. So I was like, oh crap, like, I don't know, all these programs are getting canceled anyway you know, maybe this summer, I'm just not going to do anything. We'll see. And then somebody from our career services center at Syracuse reached out to me and was like, do you still want to apply to this? And I was like, absolutely. Sent my stuff over right away. Within like a week or so, I was uh, interviewing in my basement with my first manager at LinkedIn. And it was like the most bizarre thing. I just How did that happen? <laughs> How did, what, what was the, so the career services representative just like hooked you up? and? figured it yeah, out honestly, like I say it was a bunch of luck because I know I think first 
coming from Syracuse, we had that relationship with LinkedIn at the time, which was really amazing. So it was kind of like they knew they were getting quality interns at that time. Um, and the process just moved really fast. I think it ramped up because everyone like didn't know what was going on. So it kind of moved quick. And I interviewed, had a few interviews, did like a writing test, got the offer for the internship. And I started that summer, like in my basement <laughs> in yeah. New Jersey <laughs> with another uh, kid from Syracuse. And yeah, just hoped to never leave. And I really maintained connections to ultimately come back. So that was the internship. You're mm -hmm. one of the fellows. And yeah. what summer? That was summer of what year? 2020. Gotcha. Pandemic, yeah. So writing in your basement at home or wherever you were. Yes, joining um, this virtual team and they were all leaving the office. So they had just transitioned. I had just finished online school. So it was just like, obviously, everyone remembers that summer. We didn't have to even do it. It was yeah. just like nobody yeah. knew what the hell was happening. So gotcha. So that was so that was going into your senior year mm -hmm. and you obviously did stuff well. I I would imagine like working from home as a journalist. I, I'm not sure. Like, is that I mean, you can still get stuff done, right? Do you do you yeah. thrive better in the office? Do you do, I don't know what you do now, but or, or yeah. do you like working at home? Yeah, I like I sometimes say I'm like I'm t overly productive. Like I will drive myself crazy because I'll just work nonstop and not take breaks, but I'm just like always moving. So I really like when days that I have a lot of work to be heads down at home and LinkedIn when I started was fully remote. Now our offices are open. So we have the option to go in, which has been really great. And I think I needed that after a year of mostly remote work, feeling a little bit isolated. Yeah. So I go in twice a week now, which is nice, but I find myself like getting not distracted, but there's so many opportunities to catch up with people or you're going to grab coffee or you're getting pulled into this meeting because you're there. So your attention gets pulled in a, a million directions when you're in the office. So I've tried to save like my heads down work for days that I don't go in just so I can like really enjoy that time and make the most of it when I'm in person with my colleagues. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And we see that <laughs> in my job too. And I like to go in every day though, because I have to, I have to know everybody at my at my role. Mm. I do like a lot of internal communications. So I like to see people and, and get to know everybody. But that's just yeah. me. There's um, a lot of value in that. Heck yeah. I, and especially for like, if you're just starting out and you're at a large company, I think there's value of going in, meeting people, getting that visibility, bouncing mm -hmm. around in those meeting rooms, even like they might pull you in and get some insights for whatever role. I think that's really important. Yeah, it's been a really great experience having the option to go into the office. I feel like I've grown closer to all my colleagues in that time. I just feel so much more connected to the company having that option to go in. I know, you know, some people don't live close to an office, so they don't have that um, that uh, privilege. So I, I know it's a rarity, but I do really try to make the most of that time because, you know, it's just so valuable to really be in person and get to connect and grab lunch together mm -hmm. and have that like non-work time to really get to know each other better. Absolutely. And so tell me more then. So the internship went well, fellowship. Well. Um, and then you go into your senior year, correct? Yeah. So at the end of the fellowship, I was like, okay, LinkedIn's a pretty cool place. I want to probably work here. <laughs> How do I make yep. that happen? So I really think I loved the work that I was doing, but I really just like loved the company and I loved the people that I work with. Um, 
And I quickly realized like that's so important. Even if you love the work you do, you have to love the people that you're working with. So I, at the end of the fellowship, I made it very clear to my manager at the time that I would like the opportunity to rejoin the team if there was one. And so what, now I was going back to senior year. I knew spring semester, I was going to be part-time at school. I only had like a few credits left. So I had told him that at the time. I was like, I'm going to be part-time this spring. Maybe we could work something out where I could help out on the team, knowing that it would probably still be remote. So I went back to school and really maintained my relationships. I was checking in. And then ultimately when it was like winter break, I'd reached out and said, it's like the springtime's coming. I really would love to help out on the team in any way. It worked out and I started on a contract role. So in March of my spring, spring semester, started on a contract at LinkedIn. I worked part-time. So in between classes, I was logging on and off, which was a crazy experience because I was like, I don't care about school anymore. Right. And I was in like my very challenging journalism classes. I was in the honors program. So I had like a thesis paper to write. And I'm like, this is just not my priority anymore. Like I have a job and this did is Did you like tell your, your professors that? I did not. Because if you were not 100% dedicated to journalism and eat, sleep, breathing journalism, they were, I mean, I, I was, right? Because I was working. But you but were. You, yeah. You, you, you were. Some teachers did leverage it, which was kind of cool. Like. They would help have me bring in my resume and talk about LinkedIn. So it was a cool experience. And some teachers were really like open to that. Um, but yeah, so I started part-time and then I was on a contract role at LinkedIn. So I wasn't technically a full-time hire and um, was after graduation started full-time hours. And then at the end of, or that fall after the summer of my post-grad summer in November, a full-time role opened up on a different team than I was on under the editorial side of LinkedIn. And um, I transitioned to that role and I've been in that position for just about a year now. Gotcha. What was that first team? So the first team I joined was the Daily News team. So gotcha. that was breaking news. I was doing a little bit of podcast video stuff, um, helping out, which is fun. But then I transitioned to the reporting team at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've been in my role for November was a year. So and in March, it'll be two years at LinkedIn, which is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. And looking back now, like what were those key things that, what key advice would you give to students like to emulate your career path or find their own success? Yeah, I think it's all about maintaining relationships. And I know we talked about this earlier, but there's so much knowledge that exists in other people's heads. And everybody is so, especially when you're a new grad or you're starting your career, I think so many people are open to giving you advice and helping you find direction and give you guidance. So it's reaching out in a very authentic way that's authentic to you. And you don't want to lead like asking for a job offer or saying I applied to this job, but finding that connection and reaching out, establishing a relationship and seeing how you could provide value too. They think, like we were saying before, Gen Z is in a very unique position where everybody wants to know what we want out of work. That's value that you bring to a conversation, right? You have those insights because that's your experience. So you leverage that, like pitch that as something you can share. Like here, I can bring you my fresh perspective and I'd love to hear about your day to day and see how you're thinking about Gen Z and, and all of that. So I think it's about really just making those connections. And for me, it was about maintaining those. When I went back to school and, you know, I always say like, even with interviewing, everything's 
polite persistence. You always have to just bop in and be like, it's me. I'm still here. You know, what are you doing? Here's what I've been up to. Um, because that's ultimately what helped me land the contract position and then transition to a full-time role was keeping those connections alive and uh, maintaining those even when I was away. Yeah, definitely. And the earlier you start, I think, making connections, like if, especially for advertising, like reach out, go to those job fairs, go online and then stay, stick around with these people. Yeah. Yeah. And check in, like if you're working on a cool project, send them them and be like, oh, I just worked on this. Or I don't know, our advertising students at school had to do like a huge capstone project. Yep. And yep. it was like a whole, like a semester long thing. If you have yeah. a relationship with somebody that you want to like work at this company, send them that. Like that's so cool. And why wouldn't you leverage and stuff that you're doing in school as a way to kind of like sell yourself as a someone to be job seeker? Yeah. And like, even I just did this like a couple hours ago. I, somebody I know on the podcast, uh, I'm not even like looking for a job necessarily. I just sent them an article about their company. I was like, yeah. were you part of this? This is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I just wanted to stay in the loop with them. And, or another thing I was kind of messing around thinking about like, you brought up a good point, like being Gen Z, people want to know about our perspective. And a lot of companies find value in that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of brands find value in that. If I'm a student today, I might even consider doing like a quick survey from like my peers yeah. and be like, hey, like, I just want to let you know, these are some findings that I figured out from my peers here at my university about your brand, about your company. Here, the, here they are. Take them as you want, if you want them. Like, I yeah. think that could be something that's of, of value. Yeah. And even now when I'm like, I'm Gen Z and I'm writing for Gen Z, but I'm still like, I can't be represented. Like, I can't be the whole generation. Right. So I right. know that. So I'm like, oh, what are you guys thinking about? I'm asking my friends. I'm always serving people to be like, what topics do you want to know? How do you want to receive this content? What type of content do you want? And it's always just like thinking yeah. of ways that you can improve. And so, yeah, bringing those insights and being like, here's this little nugget of information that you might find valuable. If you don't, okay, I didn't waste my time. Like this was still me getting to talk to people. So, you know, at the end of the day, it could be valuable. I think people would really appreciate it. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, um, so like throughout school and even now, do you have a side project? <laughs> I know that's common with Gen Z. So do you have anything? I know. I also say I'm like the worst Gen Z person because I don't. Um, which I hate that. That's messed up. Like, I feel I like you, know. no, like not, no, even having to say that, like, not everybody needs to have a side project. Like, let's but maybe we can get rid of that. It is interesting because obviously a majority of Gen Zers have that. And I speak to a lot of Gen Zers with side hustles, but a lot of people will say, like, no Gen Z person doesn't have a side hustle. Like, they do, like, you know, not everybody does. And I really would love something. Um, like, I don't, I think also with side hustles, a lot of people are like, it's it's for the money or maybe it's just, it could just be a passion project. Like I want to find my passion project. So I don't really think of it kind of as a side hustle, but I feel like I was so focused on transitioning into a role and just like figuring out my first year of post-grad life that now I'm like, okay, well, what's next? Like, obviously my job can't be everything. I, my passion yeah. has always been journalism. Now I'm doing this as my job. So what's like my thing? I yeah, don't what, know. I'm what on you, that journey. <laughs> what do you like? What do you do in your free time then when you're not doing? Uh, I'm just trying to prioritize my mental health, spend time with family and friends. But I really love volunteering and would love to be doing more within my own community. So I think that's something I was just talking to my friend at work about stuff he's doing um, within his community. So I think there's a lot to explore there. But 
Gotcha. I don't know. I'm just taking it day by day and trying. Yeah, seriously. To figure, to figure That's all this what I out. say. That's literally what I say. I just go, yeah. I'm just day by day. It is. Who it's knows? Tough. The post-grad transition is not talked about enough. We set really high expectations, I think, for what the working world's going to be. And then you're like, this is the rest of my life. Emails. <laughs> yeah, it's emails. emails, it's meetings. And yeah, we definitely romanticize it. So I think a lot of it was getting through those reality checks and now feeling much more secure to really explore outside of work. And for me, like when I'm not feeling fulfilled by work, which I do feel fulfilled by my job, but when I'm not, I have the podcast mm -hmm. and I can get my creative. It's my creative outlet. It's my therapy every week. Uh, it also helps me uh, grow in my, my career and network. So it gives me some job security. So that's why I love doing my my side project, uh, this podcast. And I have a, like a team of students across um, at different universities that are also joining in on it too. So that's amazing. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I think a podcast is amazing. I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. What's your favorite? I love how I built this with Guy Raz. Oh, I, I love that one too. I just love when he picks people's brains, but obviously I have to plug in LinkedIn uh, podcast network so check out all the ones coming from our team as well oh, nice. but, yeah a lot is it of career-oriented one they're all pretty much career oriented my like manager, no not yet um but my manager andrew has his called get hired my colleague leah has hers called in the arena or oh, editor yeah. editor-in-chief dan has this is working jesse hempel hello monday so there's a ton of podcasts uh on LinkedIn that are in-house as well as external. So nice. a lot of career like insights. Loading up one? What? Seems like you might be loading up one for Gen Z then. Perhaps. I will I will not say no, but we will see. If there's day an opportunity, I would, I would love it. Yes, day by day. That's, that's all we can do. Gotcha. Okay. How can people reach out to you? LinkedIn? Yep. You can that's follow me. Every, <laughs> everybody says that on the podcast. Well, like, that's like too perfect because I work there. So you have yeah. to follow me. You have to, you, you can follow me. You don't have to. Um, and you can send me a DM um, and we can message. And if you want to get a, we can get a coffee chat or, or do whatever to catch up and um, meet new people. I'm always open to talking to people who are early in their careers, whether you're recent grads or, you know, looking to, you're approaching graduation. I would love to to get to know you and, and share some insights. So find me on LinkedIn and reach out to me there. And then subscribe to subscribe Keeping to the LinkedIn. Balance. Yes. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> 40, 42 editions? Yes. Published weekly. Published weekly. Yes. Every Wednesday in your inbox. <laughs> Why Wednesday? It's just the day I chose. Everybody kind of scatters there. It's, everybody has a day. Gotcha. I'm, I'm Tuesday. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, we'll have people reach out. Thank you so much, Yana. This has been fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. It's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. 
Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz. They're a PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest.